We just need to pray, don't we? Our Father and our God, you are great and greatly to be praised. And Father, thank you for the privilege for all of us to be here in this place together this morning to offer to you our praises and our worship, our offerings, our sacrifices, our thanksgivings, because you have been so amazingly wonderful to us. You are a gracious God. Our Father, we thank you for our salvation that you have brought to us through Jesus Christ, your Son, who you gave up for us. Not because of anything worthy in us, not because of anything good in us, but because of your amazing grace and because you love us. Oh, how you love us. You love us. And so, our Father, I pray that our hearts might be freshly challenged and filled up this morning again by your word. Your word is truth. And I pray, Father, that we may have a, a, a fresh, a refreshed glimpse of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Father God is proud of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you love to show him off, Lord, and rightly so. And we praise and we worship and we honor Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I have, um, I've been interviewing people <clears throat> the last couple of weeks with respect to spiritual things, what they think of God, what they think of the church, what they think of Jesus, who they think Jesus is, and just trying to get a feel for what the average person out there, and in particular, I'm trying to search for people who are, are not connected to a church. Maybe they were in the past, but they presently are not, and just, just sort of kicking around some questions and talking to them. I don't know if you've ever done that or if you've... Uh, if you've talked to some of your friends who haven't been at church about things of God, but, but you might be surprised to find out that what, what I've discovered for the most part is, is that the people I encounter, they, they have a religious memory. They have had some experience with church, with God, with Jesus. They, they have, um, they've dabbled and, and dined a little bit on religion. And uh, in fact, what I've found is that they've, they've tended to, to dine or dabble enough and, and, and to be to have just enough in their lives, whether it be a primer, kind of when they were little kids growing up, someone threw them in Sunday school somewhere, they've kind of dined on just enough to say, I gotta, I'm not sure, I, I, I've moved away from that, I, I don't want that because of what I've seen, and they've moved on and they're, they're trying to consume or, or fill the, the void in their life with, with physical appetites. But what you notice as you, as, you, as you get a little bit further into their lives, you realize that, that although they're feasting and filling themselves on physical appetites, that, that's not really satisfying them. There's this spiritual void in their lives, and, and everybody kind of knows about it, and they're, they're not really sure what they should do about it, and there's a good reason for that. And a simple reason is because we are spiritual. I mean, God is spirit, and those who will worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we see our world around us consumed by the physical and, and, and trying to fill themselves with physical things but not really being satisfied and dabbling in some spiritual stuff. They're kind of missing the mark where it comes to Jesus. And so this whole series that we've sort of began, and Pastor Kelvin helped, helped us out with uh, one of, uh, of the, uh, the identities of Christ last week, is, is who is Jesus? You know, do we know who Jesus is? Jesus had um, just hit the ball out of the park. 
He had uh, fed 15,000 people roughly with five loaves and a couple of fishes. You know the story. And then he turned this, the rough Sea of Galilee into a hiking trail and walked across that. And we pick it up at, um, in John chapter 6 where he makes a statement to those people who kind of been dabbling in religion, dining a little bit in religion, and pretty much feeding fully on the physical and not having their appetite satisfied. And he makes this statement, I am the bread of life. Now, um, John tells us in his book that it was Passover time. And so, so, in fact, there was some spirit, there was some religious memory among the people that were there at that time. And they, they were thinking about the things. They were thinking about their rescue from slavery in Egypt. They were thinking about the fact that, that they were rescued through the water, that they were taken out of Egypt, and they were led through the Red Sea. And, and, and by the way, God didn't have to part the Red Sea. He could have had all of Israel walk across the Red Sea. I think he parted it because he wanted the Egyptians to get swamped, but he could have had them walk across it. And of course, they were remembering about the fact that they had been out in the desert, they'd been taken out of the desert, they'd been fed by the manna, and so all of these things were on their mind, and so Jesus, he sets up this, this feeding event, and then he walks across the water to, to heighten their sensitivities that, that, that just maybe God is at work. And it tells us that Jesus was the guest preacher at the synagogue at Capernaum in verse 59 of chapter 6. And in this text, Jesus says, I am food that has God's seal of approval on it. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John 6 if you're not there. I want to look at this text from verse 25 through. I'm going to share with you three questions that represent the natural human heart and then three keys, three answers from Jesus. By the way, they want to look at three very lame questions. See if you can find them in the text. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Or for our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty, but as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? 
whose father and mother we know, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, Isaiah, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Is that an amazing text of scripture? Jesus Christ says, I am the bread of life. I have to tell you that in those interviews, I had two opportunities to share the gospel. And one of those opportunities turned into an occasion where my sister-in-law came to faith in Christ. And it was this text of scripture that God had placed on my heart that I'd been working on, that in fact, uh, God had already set it all up. And and, and when I talked to her, she asked very similar questions to the questions of this text. And I thought, I can't believe this. I'm kind of ready for these questions. God's already set me up for this. So I I just flipped my Bible over to John 6. I said, you got a Bible in there? And I said, she said, yeah. I said, go find it. I said, you need to turn to John. She said, okay, tell me, help me, help me find that. And she says, and, and I worked her with, with it and find the chapter and find the verses. And we worked our way through it. And we worked through these verses. And I realized that, that in fact, she kind of represented the, the heart of people. And, and, and uh, Lynn has been praying for her family for so long and, and wanting them to come to faith in Christ. It's just an amazing thing for our family. And, and, and I believe God has already given us the first fruits of his harvest in this text. And what God wants to do in our congregation in the coming days and weeks and months. And, and so I'm excited about what God has planned for this region and how he's going to reach people for Christ. And, and, and the first question, that, did, you, did you catch it? It was, is rabbi, teacher, when did you get here? Now, this is coming from a crowd of people who, by the way, they'd been over to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. They'd been over to Bethsaida, and they've seen all this stuff that he was doing. And, and so they show up, and they say, hey, hey, Jesus, we just want to pal around with you because we kind of like that, that thing you did over at the picnic there, you know, that where, where God becomes kind of like the free grocery chain, gives away food. We're kind of like wanting to hang around with you. Can we pal around with you? And they're getting real friendly with Jesus. And, and you know, as long as you're giving away stuff, uh, the lineup is, is long, and the church will fill up, you know. They're all looking for stuff. And so Jesus, though, he cuts through the shallowness. He says to them, I tell you the truth in verse 26, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you got your stomachs full. And um, Jesus points out something that all people need to face. He says, you ate that stuff, but it didn't satisfy, did it? You're back looking for more. You know, there's no end of the, um, the healers and the hucksters that are out there trying to draw a crowd, trying to attract a crowd. People are sick of that, you know. People with a religious memory are having been part of that kind of thing. They're sick of all that. So they've checked out. These people were standing in the line looking at Jesus, and, and he says, he's saying to them, like, this is your vision? You're running after food, he says here. Not work for food that spoils. Is, is that what it's all about? This is what excites you? This is what you, you knock yourself out day in and day out just to get food? That's, that's the vision of your life? 
the quest for food? That's the vision statement of the animal kingdom. You were made for more than that. To those who settle for things in time, you were made for greater than that. Jesus says, you ought to be working for food that, that endures to eternal life. Do you, do you have that, Jesus said? I mean, it's within your reach. It's, it's, it's right here now. Whether you're rich or you're poor, you're employed or you're unemployed, you're sick or you're well, you're a man, you're a woman, you're a young person, you're North American, you're South American, you're Asian, you're African, you're European, it's, it's available. And you're satisfied with just filling your stomach. They asked a second question of him, because they were listening, you know, they heard that. They said, so, well, then what does God want us to do? Get in on God's seal of approval. How can we get this grade A stamp on us, you know, like Canada grade A, Alberta beef, you know, the good stuff? Not this, this emaciated Australian stuff that they try to pass off on us once in a while, you know? Got any Aussies in here? Hope not. Hope nobody's listening over the web from Australia. But, you know, we, we, it's a good Alberta crate A beef, you know. How can we get this? How can we get this stamp of approval on us, that seal of approval? What does God want us to do? I invariably found that. In fact, one of the questions that I was asking people is, is what do you think it takes to be right with God? The que- question after question was, well, I guess you've got to be nice to people. I guess you, I guess you better not break the law. I, I guess if you see somebody needing something, it'd be, it'd be nice if you gave it to them. You've got to be nice to your family. It's all about do something. What, what do we have to do? The uh, question out there is, what do we have to do to earn God's favor? I, and by the way, um, these are the people who are looking for their own religious bread, you know? How could we fashion some sort of religious system in our own image that would satisfy God? That, that's what it would take. What, what, tell us what it is. Would just throw a few dollars into a Sally Ann kettle at Christmas? Would that be okay? Or, or maybe we just checked in at church once in a while? Or, or, or maybe we were nice to people. Is, is that what, what, what it would take? Donation to the Cancer Society? Jesus said the seal of approval is not something. The seal of approval is on someone. Verse 27, on him. Referencing back to the Son of Man. The Father has placed his seal of approval. To those who think human actions can satisfy God's requirements, God doesn't put a seal of approval on stuff, and certainly not stuff that spoils. His sign of approval is on that someone, on Jesus Christ. And by the way, they were saying, what kind of work should we do? And this blew me away. I've studied this text a number of times, and, and I never noticed this answer that Jesus gave. He didn't say, the work you're supposed to do. He said, the work of God is this. God's work is that you would believe on the one he has sent. It's not about what you can do for God. It's not about throwing a few bucks in a Sally Ann kettle at Christmas. It's not about being nice as you can to a few people. It's not, it's not about not breaking the law. It's not about checking in at church once in a while. It is about the work of God. 
It's a someone to trust in and believe in, the one the Father has sent. And then they ask him um, the third question. What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? It's just a good job I wasn't Jesus standing there that day, I got to tell you. Because my answer to this question would be, well, how about if I turn you all into squirrels? How would that do? I mean, I mean would that work for you? I, I mean, you, you came across the lake. You already know you were over there. Was it not good enough that I turned five loaves of bread and two fish into a feeding frenzy for 15,000 people, perhaps? Women, children, kids, all of that, you know? Was it not enough that I, that I made a hiking trail out of the Sea of Galilee? Was that not enough for you? As a matter of fact, they said, no. Because if you look at the, 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 the statement right after, they say, what will you do? Because, by the way, Moses, have you ever heard of Moses, Jesus? It's like, yeah, a couple of times I've heard of him, you know. Because Moses, check out what he did. He gave us manna every day. We were eating every day. What are you going to do for us? cities are littered with people who go from place to place asking the question, what, what are you going to do for me, Jesus? What's your church going to do for me? You know, down that church, they do this. What do you got? What are you going to do for us? What's your deal? And by the way, um, in talking to uh, people, one of the things that, that really they'd grown tired of is a kind of religious agenda. You know, they'd grown tired of church politics. They'd grown tired of rivalries in the church. They'd, they'd grown tired of, of political agendas in the name of Jesus. They'd grown really tired of traditional rituals. By the way, God's voice seems to get really silent in places where there's a religious agenda that people just try to name drop Jesus once in a while. And so the question they're really asking is, who are you? Because this feeding deal, you know, it was done before. And Jesus says to them, uh, by the way, notice the text. Verse 32, it wasn't Moses who gave you this food. It was Father God. This food came from heaven. It's my Father who gives you, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Listen, they're always looking for a show. Entertain us. Do something spectacular. Show us what we should, show us why we should believe in you. Better put on a serious show. You better bury Cirque du Soleil. Maybe I'll believe then. I'm getting a little bit nervous about a lot of ministries that are trying to distract lame disciples from the hard teachings of Christ with an impressive show. Because this is exactly what they were looking for. You know, the people who are lost, they're not looking for a show. They're not looking for a silent God or a God who's absent, or people try to name drop his name so that maybe it will seem as if he's around. 
They're tired of all that agenda stuff. They want to see Jesus. They, they, want their, they want their appetites to be satisfied. To those who take up the challenge to consider something greater than stuff, concede that satisfying God is beyond their natural abilities, God will do for them what they can't do for themselves. Let me just give you quickly three key answers that Jesus gave them to these questions that I think are absolutely amazing. The first is this. Jesus said the food that endures to eternal life is a gift. You can't work for this thing. You can't, you can't do enough things. Notice, notice in verse 27 what he says. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. The, the food that endures to eternal life is a gift. The giver is authorized with the seal of God's approval. God's bread is not stuff. It's a person. It's his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the true bread. It's a person. In the text here, it says, to those who look, to those who listen, to those who learn, to those who believe, to those who come to him, to those they shall have. Jesus said to them, don't waste your life working for stuff that spoils But by the way, the gift is not given everyone indiscriminately. The gift, it says here, is available for the whole world. I will give life, I will, uh, he says, the fle my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. It's available for the whole world, but it's, it's, it's not given to everyone indiscriminately. Notice what it says in verse 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, and by the way, there, there are all kinds of people out there. In fact, I, I only encountered one person who actually didn't believe that Jesus even exists or wasn't even a person. He was just a fabrication and, and a metaphor for whatever. You know, he's a brilliant, amazingly, apparently a brilliant guy, but not all that smart because he didn't believe in Jesus. But anyway, because a fool says in his heart there is no God, right? So, but anyway, I only found one that, that really didn't have some sort of belief in Jesus. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. So Jesus uses some terminology in here to help us understand what believe really is, some stuff that we really understand, hopefully stuff we really get. He uses words like eat and feed on, and four times he says, come to Jesus. Now this believe is not some sort of mental ascent, yes, oh, okay, I know he's a historic figure, he was a good guy, he was a great example, and yes, I understand all of that, that, that idea of believe, but this was, no, no, you must, you must feed on him. In fact, that's why he got into trouble in this sermon, because they said, what are you talking about? You, you think we're supposed to cannibalize you? We're supposed to eat your blood, and, or drink your blood, and eat your flesh? That's exactly what he said. He was giving them a metaphor, giving them an explanation of what believe really means. Now, we use the same stuff. I've seen TSN advertisers say, eat, sleep, breathe, sports. Now, now what, what does TSN mean? Like, we're supposed to eat the Boston Bruins? You know, we're supposed to, hey, by the way, wasn't that, isn't that been a great week? <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a good week. God, the good Lord is shining on us. And it's, so anyway, eat, breathe, and, and, and we don't, we don't, we know what that means, don't we? It means it, it's become so much of a, fa a fabric of our lives. It's the passion of our lives. Th this word believe is this, is this one-time decisive 
act of appropriating Jesus into your life and he and he you into his it's it's this I'm consumed by Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He talks about the most basic of all things that keeps us alive. And he says, I'm it. I am the totality of that. He who feeds on me will never grow hungry. He who, who drinks of me will never be thirsty. This is what believe means. It's a consuming of my life. By the way, we, we all know about the difference, we understand that we spend most of our lives feeding on ourselves, feeding on our stuff, consumed by it. Jesus said, those who will come to me, feed on me. Because to do that is to have life itself, because I'm life it's God work. It's a gracious act of God who implants a teaching in your heart and, and, and an insight in your heart about the things of God and, and, and your heart is drawn to him. And you listen and you respond. The great I am. I am the bread of life. The great I am is the only sustenance for spiritual life, spiritual aliveness. Jesus Christ, the Lord, is the only food. He is both the great I am and the only food. For there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we may be saved. Acts 4, verse 12. Jesus says, hey, don't stuff yourself with religious fluff, religious junk food, yourself, Fill yourself with food that'll give you life, that'll really feed your hunger. And then finally, the final key, and this, you know what, this, this fires up or should fire up our evangelistic fervor. This is the evangelistic confidence. Jesus said, and by the way, whoever the Father draws, he gives to me, and I will never drive them away and I will raise them up in the last day. In fact, I will absolutely preserve them. I will absolutely keep them. My sister-in-law, you know, we were talking about the things of God, and I was talking about what Christ had done and how he died for sins and everything like that and, and what, what God the Father had given up for us and, and the Son, and, and it really touched her heart, and she was really moved by that. And she said, she said you know what, I, I, that's, so, that's so sad. I, I feel so badly. I feel so hurt about that, what God has done. And, and, and I feel so unworthy about, about that. And, I, and, and I, don't, I don't even know that, that I could come to him. I said, Wendy, let, let me read you this. If God is drawing your heart and you come to Jesus, he will never drive you away. He will never send you away and he will hold you forever because it is the Father's will that any that the Father gives is a gift to the Son. He will keep, he will preserve, he will absolutely keep and he will raise them up to life on that last day. They will never die, Jesus said. That's what gets, I get excited about with evangelistic fervor because, because the salvation issue is a done deal. The verdict is final. You come to Christ, he holds you, and he'll raise you. He'll raise you up. 
And by the way, people, people won't come to Christ on their own. They will not. They're fine with the way they are. They're, they're, they're steeped in their own stuff. They, for the most part, they don't even think about this. Oh, yeah, their, their mind is wandering around because they have a dissatisfaction in their hearts and they're, they're, they're dabbling in this and dabbling in that and most of it Eastern, New Age stuff and all that kind of stuff or feeling good about yourself. But they won't come to Jesus. The text here says, though, that it is the Father's will to speak into the hearts of lost people who will respond and will come to Jesus. And he gives them to Christ as a gift. He gives them to the Son as a gift. It's the will of the Father. And the Son is here to fulfill the will of the Father. That he will lose none. And raise them up at the last day. So let me ask you a question in closing. Is Jesus the bread of your life? Have you feasted on him? Do you know what it is to have a fullness of relationship with him? That this belief that you have is feeding, eating, coming to Christ? Do the people around you where you are in life look at your life and say, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but whatever they're eating, whatever they have, whatever's going on in their life, I want that. That's what it means. That's what it means to um, take seriously the statement of Jesus, I am the bread of life. Our Father and our God, I pray this morning, because you are a saving God, Lord, and this is a saving text. This is, um, this is Christ laying it all on the line, laying it on the line to people. Saying, look, you can chase after all kinds of things, but you will never be satisfied because I am the bread of life. You're looking for life, and I'm it. And so, Father, because this is such a powerful text of Scripture, such a meaningful description of who Jesus is, the great I am, who is the bread of life, I pray, Father, this morning that you would use your word to touch people's hearts. It says, you said, the prophets said God will teach them. So Father, we believe this morning that these weren't just words coming out of a man's mouth, but, but God is teaching people the things of God, the truth of God. And Father, some people are gonna respond. You've already given us the first fruits of a harvest. I just pray this morning that if there's someone here who does not have the bread of life, has not feasted on that life doesn't have eternal life. I pray that this morning you would draw them to yourself because they can't come unless you draw. Give them to Jesus. We'll absolutely keep them and raise them up to life forevermore. Jesus has life. Jesus gives life. Jesus rescues life, secures life, and restores life. If anyone eats of this bread, that person will live forever. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand up as we sing this last song together. You know, um, 
they asked Jesus the question, what will you do? And I just want to turn the question back because I think it's appropriate this morning to ask the question, what will you do? What will you do with the reality that Jesus is the bread of life? Uh, you can go ahead and feast on Moses or Allah or Buddha or Kali or Dagon or Shamash or yourself or your stuff or New Age stuff or whatever. If you do that, you will die. Or you can make a decisive choice to say, I want the bread of life. I want to feast on that. I want Jesus who brings life and life eternally. Now, you know what? There just might be someone in here. Maybe, maybe most of us here this morning were just amening this. This was just a worship time and a great worship time to say, yeah, Jesus is the bread of life and he is my all in all and I feed on him day in and day out. But there might be someone here this morning who says, I don't know. I, I, that's, not, that's not my life. But I know that God is speaking to me this morning. I know he's drawing my heart. And I want to come to Jesus. As we're singing this song, I'm going to be down here at the front. Pastor Kelvin, Pastor Dwayne will be down here at the front. You come to the front. You by in so doing, you symbolize, I want to come to Jesus. I want to feast on him because he is the bread of life. You come as we sing. The invitation is open because Jesus Christ continues to offer the reality that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Father draws your heart. He will bring you as a gift to Jesus. Jesus will keep you absolutely and will raise you up. If God is tugging your heart and you haven't stepped out this morning, you need to. This is your moment to respond to Christ. We'll be here and we'll wait for you as others are leaving. Our Father, thank you that you are a God who invites us into your family. What an amazing thing to think of. That Father God draws us, gives us to Jesus for safekeeping forever. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. And I know there's a room full of people here this morning so thankful that they have Jesus. Fills their lives with life. Father, I pray this morning with urgency. I plead with you. I know there are those who are lost. They haven't given their life to you. They're trying to live it on their own. They're not doing very well, but they're still stubborn and proud. Lord, break them today. Bring them to yourself, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.